me start by uh, talking about wolverines. Oh, yeah. So when I was in junior high and early high school, I lived out in Dillingham, and our mascot was the wolverine, the Dillingham wolverines. Wolverines are super cool. One of the few Alaskan animals I've never seen in the wild. I actually, I've seen a wolf. I've seen moose, bear. I mean, I haven't seen a polar bear, but I've seen virtually every other Alaskan animal, but never a wolverine. And that distresses me. So let me, let me, these are super cool animals. Let's talk a little bit about wolverines. So they, uh, it's the largest land weasel. Wolverine is part of the weasel family. They average about 30 pounds, but uh, a large male can get up to 50 pounds. Uh, they are sometimes called a skunk bear uh, for two reasons. Number one, they look like a bear. They've got this kind of wide, broad head, narrow eyes, a fur that's kind of bear-like. They are designed for winter. They love the snow. Uh, that is when they, they don't hibernate. They're, they're awake uh, all winter long. They love the winter. They have these monster paws, which compared to their uh, body weight, act like just tremendous snowshoes. They just can just woof, float along uh, the snow. They can move quickly in the snow. Uh, they are they're known to be uh, ferocious, and way beyond their size. Uh, they will take deer down and kill deer. Remember, I mean, the biggest, biggest one is like 50 pounds. They'll take down a deer. They've actually been known to uh, successfully ward off bears when they're on, their, uh, on a kill. In fact, it's claimed that the, uh, a wolverine once killed a polar bear. Well, how is this possible? One of the things that's, uh, in addition to being ferocious, they have these crazy jaws. Most carnivores don't eat bones. They just rip the flesh and leave the bones. Not wolverines. Wolverines actually crush bones. Their, their uh, powerful jaws pit, go 90 degrees. So they come down and then... And they just crush. So imagine if they get your throat. <laughs> so they'll just crush right through bones. They, um, they travel. They, they'll go 18 miles a day. In fact, there was a wolverine in uh, Yosemite. They tracked it 500 miles in 42 days. And if a wolverine wants to get from one valley to the other, it often will just go straight up the mountain and over top. They are just fearless creatures. Uh, they're solitary. Here's the other reason they're called skunk bear. They're solitary creatures uh, most of the time. And, uh, but they mark their territory, and they want a lot of territory. You know, they don't want any other wolverines nearby except for when they want to mate. And then they mark their territory with a very pungent smell because uh, they have to so that you know, the ladies who are far off will know. So I thought some of you guys, single guys, could take note of this. You know, maybe you need to make yourselves more known. You know, I thought that was hilarious. So, <laughs> skunk bear, yes. They're solitary except for when they have uh, little babies. And so the first year, the dad will hang around for the first year of the little kid's life. Uh, they, their breeding is fascinating. They mate uh, late spring or early summer, but then the egg delays fertilization for up to 45 days. I don't know how that happens, but it's God designed that so that uh, the female wolverine gives birth in the wintertime and uh, has the babies deep down in the snow in a safe, 
uh, you know, snuggly snow cave. That's about all I know about Wolverines. But I want to see one, right? Uh, this sermon is not, you know, about Wolverines. What's, what in the world am I talking about? Well, here, here is why. Uh, if you want to see, uh, find a Wolverine, you've got to look for them in their habitat. They don't live everywhere. In fact, here's a map of the world, and uh, the Wolverines are found in the red section. You will not. I don't care how hard you look, you're not going to find a Wolverine in South America unless it's in the zoo, and that's not cool. You're not going to find a Wolverine in Africa, right? You've got to find a, a Wolverine in, in the northern climates. Well, we're in a series on Proverbs called Foolproof, and it's all about finding wisdom. And in our text today, wisdom tells us her habitat. She says, I'm going to tell you where I dwell so you know where to look for me, and I'll tell you where I don't dwell so you don't waste your time. So, so just like if you want to find a wolverine, you've got to look in a, uh, for the wolverine in uh, its natural habitat. If you want to find wisdom, you've got to look where wisdom dwells. So turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. This is our text today. Uh, we're going to look at verses 12 through 21. Where, what is wisdom's habitat? I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil, and perverted speech. I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me kings reign, and rulers decree what is just. By me princes rule, and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, in the paths of justice granting an inheritance to, to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Here, wisdom tells us uh, about her habitat. And I want to start with where she does not dwell. Uh, three places you will not find wisdom hanging out. Look at verse 13. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. You will not find wisdom where there is pride and arrogance. You will not find wisdom where there is evil. You will not find wisdom where there is perverted speech. Really quickly, let's talk about this. Pride and arrogance. What is it? Well, pride has to do with our attitude toward God. And uh, pride says, I do not acknowledge your authority, God, in my life. I am king of my life. I decide uh, what is good for me and right for me and best for me and wise for me. That's pr uh, pride. It has to do with our attitude toward God and our sense of who's in charge. And pride stiff arms God's claims upon our life. Arrogance has to do with how we view ourselves in relation to other people. Arrogance says if there is a choice between your needs being met and my needs being met, my needs are going to get met. 
If, it's, if there's a choice between you getting credit and I getting credit, uh, I'm going to be the one who gets credit. If there's a choice between you winning and me winning, I'm going to be the one who wins. That's arrogance. I'm number one. I come first in relation to other people. And wisdom says, pride and arrogance, I hate. Where there's pride and arrogance, you won't find me. I'm not in that room. The way of evil. What is evil? Evil is whatever God says is bad. Uh, It's not what I think is bad. It's not what society says is bad, although society is blessed when our definitions of evil and righteousness line up with God's. Uh, How terrible it is, right? When, uh, when those call, call wickedness righteous. But uh, it has to do with what does God uh, say about things. And if God labels it evil, wisdom says, I'm, I hate it. I have nothing to do with it. You won't find me where there's evil. Perverted speech. Perverted speech. Another, perverted, another word for that is crooked. It's anything that is not the truth. Perverted speech is flat-out lying. It's bending the truth. It's telling the story in such a way that uh, your hearers arrive at their own conclusion, but it's the wrong conclusion. It's half-truths. Wisdom says, you won't find me there. I hate those things. So, that's, this is wisdom telling us, you know, uh, pride and arrogance, the way of evil, perverted speech. That's, if you... It's like looking for the wolverine in South America or in Africa. I'm just not there, period. You won't find me there at all. Okay, so where does wisdom dwell? Well, verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. What is prudence? It's not being a prude. Uh, it's, it's about, here's prudence. Actions that will succeed because they are rooted in knowledge of how the world really works. Great example would be the Wright brothers. When the Wright brothers got into their airplane and their mama said, Boys, is that prudent? Uh, They could say, Yeah, mom, it's prudent. Why? Because they had already figured out the laws of aerodynamics. They understood how, uh, you know, lift and thrust, they understood how the world works, how flight works, and therefore their airplane uh, was prudent. Now, if they hadn't yet figured out the laws of aerodynamics, it would not have been prudent, like all the people before them who jumped off the buildings with their homemade wings, right, and died or broke something. That wasn't prudent. Why? Because they, they, it wasn't rooted in knowledge and discretion. And so wisdom, I love it. Wisdom says, hey, uh, I'm the one who hangs out with the plans that are going to succeed because they're based in knowledge of how the world works. Secondly, verse 20, I walk in the way of righteousness. Wherever there is righteousness, I'm hanging out there. I'm walking around there. What is righteousness? Righteousness is that which conforms. uh, What is right in the eyes of God, bottom line? And God tells us in his word uh, what is right and what is wrong uh, and what is conforms to his character and to his will. And right, that's righteousness. And, and wisdom says, I'm there. In fact, 
Uh, in the book of Proverbs, another name for the wise is righteous. It, it's, it's a synonym, synonym. They often talk about the wise person or the righteous person. Why? Because, you know, if it's righteous, if it's right in the eyes of God, it's almost always, it's always wise. And then finally, I walk in the way of righteousness in the paths of justice. Justice is, uh, how does this impact other people? Is it fair? Does it conform to the golden rule? Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Is it loving? And so, wisdom here has told us of her habitat. I hang out with prudence. I, I, I walk around with righteousness and with justice. You want to find me? And, sh- and wisdom wants to be found. Earlier, earlier in the chapter, she says, I'm crying out for people to find me. She tells us where she hangs out so that we may seek for her diligently and find her. So here's what I want to do now. I want to, uh, I created a decision-making flowchart based on uh, Proverbs 8, which I think is super cool. Hope you like this. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to take just scenarios, uh, life scenarios, and we're asking the question, is it wise? And so we're going to run it through this uh, grid that uh, wisdom has given us. So here's the first one. Um, I'll give you a scenario. A few years ago, I was uh, in a doctoral class on preaching, and the professor said, I'm going to take the best sermons from the class, and I'm going to put it in a book and publish it. And I thought, super cool. Opportunity for my name to be in lights and for the whole world to see what a great preacher I am, right? The problem was I'm also, I was also just starting to plant the church, and I was already having a hard time balancing, you know, What's the appropriate amount of time and energy to spend on different things? And so I, I, I was trying to ask the question, how much time should I give to this sermon? And so what does wisdom say? Well, check your motivation, Mike. Uh, is, you know, why are you wanting to you know, do well? Is it because of pride or arrogance? And, and I realized, you know, there's a big difference between doing, uh, doing my best. The Bible says, whatsoever thing you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. And so uh, we don't want to be lazy. We don't want to, you know, not do our best for, for poor reasons. Uh, but there's a big difference between wanting to do my best and wanting to be the best. And so I ultimately concluded, I'm going to... I'm going to do a good job, I'm going to get a good grade, but I'm not going to, you know, knock myself out to the point, you know, because I need to get published. As it was, he ended up saying, none of your sermons are good enough to be published. (laughs) He was hard. The hardest professor I've ever had. One time he said, do you guys even know how to outline? This is a doctoral class. I wrote an entire book on outlining. Go read it. I was, that guy made me nervous, man. He was terrible. Actually, he was good. He just was very stressful. Donald Trump, he's in the news right now because he said, you know, hey, I might not uh, accept the election results. Now, if Donald Trump's motivation is, hey, I want to uh, put pressure on the uh, election committees to ensure that we've got, you know, fair elections, right? Okay, that's wise. And, but if his, if his motivation is, I refuse to be a loser, you know, and I just can't be a loser, well, then there's 
there's uh, pride and arrogance. And we don't know. The fact is, we don't know what his motivation is, right? So here's another scenario. You're, uh, you're at work. You've been arguing for your you know, business plan, and one of your colleagues has been arguing for a different plan. Uh, and you're wondering, you know, should I keep pressing for my plan or, or, or just kind of concede? Because you, you realize that my colleague's plan is just as good as mine. Well, if you think that the company is really going to be well served by looking at both plans, no problem. But if you know that the reason I keep pressing for my plan is because I can't, you know, I don't want to, you know, look like second best, right? I want, at the end of the day, I want them to realize I'm the better thinker around here. Well, then you've got, uh, you know, you've got pride and arrogance wrapped up in that. And what does wisdom say? I'm not in that. That's not, that's not wise. So the flow chart is very clear. If there's pride and arrogance wrapped up in your motivation, probably it's, you know, not wise. Stop. But if you're, you know, you're like, ah, no, I, I don't think there's pride and arrogance. Just move on. But there's, there are more questions. So here's the next question. Uh, is, does this involve evil in, of any sort? Uh, so, for example, here in Alaska, uh, marijuana has now become legal, and there's opportunities to make a lot of money, probably, by opening a marijuana shop. You're a Christian, and you're wondering, is that wise? Well, uh, it's legal, but smoking marijuana, I think, tampers with uh, the image of God. At a minimum, it, uh, it uh, decreases people's ambition to be all that they can be. And so I would say, no, it's not wise because it involves evil in your money-making scheme. What about uh, another scenario? I don't seem to be saving fast enough for retirement. Uh, wonder if I should just uh, declare a little bit less to the IRS. They'd never know. Well, the Bible says, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. And so all of a sudden, you're, the plan you're considering involves you know, evil. Is it wise? Wisdom says, I hate that stuff. I am not there. Oh. Okay, there's no pride and arrogance that I'm aware of. It doesn't involve evil. What about perverted speech? You're running for class president, uh, and you think, hmm, it's probably something you would consider. Not really. And you think, okay, I shouldn't do that. Sorry about that. And you're thinking, okay, maybe I could spread a little rumor uh, about my opponent. And, you know, it doesn't have to be true, but it just has to stick with them for a few days and uh, undermine their, their character or make them laughable, and boom, I get elected. Well, is that wise? Wisdom says, I hate perverted speech. And so rumor, innuendo, uh, is, she's not a part of that, right? Wisdom's not a part of that. You're selling your apartments, and you know you need, uh, you know, 6% return on investment uh, minimum to get a decent, you know, to get an offer. Um, but you run your numbers and like, I need more out of my apartment building. So I'm going to, you're wondering, should I just sort of under-report the uh, expenses and over uh, and, in, uh, report the uh, profits and get a you know claim a better ROI. Is that wise? 
Wisdom says, no, that's, that's part of perverted speech. Well, how about this one? Uh, your spouse says, hey, uh, please ask our neighbor to help you when you do that. They've got, you know, they'll be very helpful. And you think, I don't want to ask my neighbor. That's embarrassing to me. But you also don't want to tell your spouse, no, I'm not going to ask my neighbor because that's embarrassing to me. And so you wonder, maybe I'm better off to just tell my spouse, oh yeah, I asked, but they were unavailable. Just a little white lie and saves you the embarrassment and then your spouse doesn't feel like you're you know, resistant to their uh, suggestions. Is that wise? According to our wisdom decision-making flowchart, no. Because <laughs> it involves perverted speech. All right, it's not... There's, I don't sense uh, motivation. That's pride and arrogance. Uh, it doesn't employ evil. It, it doesn't uh, involve perverted speech. It might very well be wise. But there are, there are a few more questions uh, we can ask to help uh, really um, get clarity on the wisdom. Here's the next question. Is it prudent? Remember, prudent. Is it a plan that's going to succeed because it's rooted in knowledge of how the world really works? Let's imagine that you think, I want to serve God, and I'm willing to go on the mission field. I'm willing to go to another country to serve God. That has got to be wise, right? And I'm willing to do it right now. So you contact a mission organization, and they come back and say, you know, you've got tens of thousands of dollars in student loans, and uh, you don't have any theological education, and you have very, very little ministry experience, we recommend that you delay, pay off your debt, you know, get some, maybe some uh, online courses from like Liberty University, and, um, and, and start serving as a volunteer in your church, and then come back to us in a while. And you think, maybe I should just go all by myself as solo because I don't want to wait. Well, what does prudence say, right? So it's not, a, it's, not enough. It just, it's not enough that your desire is a good desire, right? Wisdom, I love how, how God says, I, I'm part of the, the, the plan that will succeed because, uh, you know, the Bible says don't build a tower unless you've thought through how to build the tower so you don't have to stop halfway through without having built it. Or maybe, maybe you're in love and you want to get married and... Uh, but you, you guys don't have a financial plan, you know, no ability or plan for providing for yourself. Do you just say, God's in love, you know, God is love, he's obviously a fan of love, so we're just going to cast ourselves upon the love of God and get married. Well, that might not be prudent. Uh, should I buy a house? Man, you want a house, you've been praying about a house, you find this house, and it's a great deal. The problem is it's going to require like 40% of your you know, uh, income stream, which is beyond what people in the know say is reasonable. The Bible says there's wisdom in a multitude of counselors, and frankly, I think this is per, uh, you know, precisely where this comes to play. God says, go talk to people who have knowledge about what it is you want to do and see if your plans, if they validate, yeah, your plan is wise. It's going to succeed. And if not, is wisdom there? All right, you've, is it prudent? Yes, you've decided it's prudent. Uh, people confirm that. And now the question is, uh, you can ask another question, is it righteous? Does this 
line up with the revealed will of God. So back to love. Uh, you've been dating. You want to you want to get married, and problem is they haven't. They're not yet a Christian. You've been missionary dating, but uh, hasn't quite worked. Maybe you should missionary marry. So you're wondering if that's a good idea, and yet the scripture says, uh, "Don't be unequally yoked." And so, well, it's not righteous yet. Uh, so it's therefore not wise. Or well, maybe you come from a non-Christian family, and uh, you you want to get baptized, and your parents say, "You know, please, we're Jewish or um, or Hindu, and that's don't get baptized because that's going to offend." Uh, the you know the the extended family, go to church, be a Christian, just you know don't go through the baptism. What's wisdom say? Honor your parents in that. If you're a child, yes, but once you're an adult, Scripture says that uh, sometimes you have to um, separate from your parents in that. How about your friend? You're at school and your friend says. I didn't get any, uh, can I, may I copy your homework? I was up late last night. I didn't get a chance to do my homework. This one's for you. And uh, so may I copy your homework? Well, does that involve, is that righteous or does that involve cheating? Should I allow my friend? Finally, is it just? Okay, so you've asked all kinds of questions. You keep getting the move forwards. And then finally, is it just? In other words, does it treat other people fairly? So here's uh, an example. You're uh, in the midst of a divorce. Uh, sorry about that. And you are, um, the question regards um, the children and custody. And you're thinking, man, it would be a lot simpler for me to have full custody of the kids. I then have control. Uh, and I won't have to negotiate with this other person, with my ex. But when, you're, when you really think about it, you think, you know what? My ex is actually a good parent and makes good decisions. But it would be a lot easier for me. So, sh- so you're wrestling with the question, should I ask for full custody or not? Wisdom says, I dwell with justice. Maybe you're negotiating a deal, final scenario, on behalf of your company, uh, and the other party's just about ready to sign, but you know it's because you have been able to obscure a particular point in the agreement, that if they really understood, you know, there was no way they would sign. Is it just to, you know, knowingly keep that a secret? See how practical this is? You even got a flowchart in your bulletin to take home with you and uh, help you think through. Now, here, here's the... Here's the challenge. The challenge is this. Are we willing to limit ourselves to wisdom's options? That's the challenge. In Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, we read this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. What does that mean? It means you and I can be fooled. Uh, we can be fooled by our own selfish or sinful desires. We can be fooled by the evil one. And to us, uh, it can seem wise. But, but it's not. 
In James, we are told, if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously without finding fault. It'll be given to him. But then it continues and says, but don't be a double-minded person like a stick that gets tossed about on, on, on the waves. And here's what I think it's saying. I think God is saying, if you ask me for wisdom, I'll give you wisdom. But when I give you wisdom, you better follow through. And so the temptation is to say, God, I need your wisdom. I want to know what the right thing is to do. Okay, I don't like that. And then you go do it yourself, right? And so the challenge I pose to you today and to myself is this. Are we willing to limit ourselves to God's wise options? I mean, you make a decision for life and you just say, uh, I will only do what God says is wise. Even if it doesn't make sense to me, even if I can see, here's where the temptation is for me, is when I can see uh, what I want, if I just do this, I know I'm going to get what I want. But this is not right in the eyes of God. But I want this. And I know if I just pull that lever, right? And that's where the decision comes. I know this isn't wise according to God, this tactic. But man, I so want the outcome. And then it's in in the heat of that moment where you say, I'm doing it my own way. Or you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it God's way. Even those God's way so often doesn't come with a guaranteed outcome. God's way often requires patience and faith. But it always pays off. It does. That's what our last verse here says, 21. Wisdom, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. If you are willing to limit yourself to, the, to God's wise options and you discipline yourself and you do this consistently, day after day, situation after situation, the result will be your treasuries will be full. Your relational treasuries, your emotional treasuries, your spiritual treasuries, 